Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number seven of the Unbetween podcast. We hope you're doing well. I know there's a lot of craziness and uncertainty going around, and we truly do hope that you're taking care of yourself, that you are um, trusting God in these times, and that you are praying for our country. On that note, that is a little bit of what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, we kind of start talking about the election and some of the stuff we've just seen going around on on social media um, are things that are said by people and and just the ways we've pushed ourselves apart and Really, our focus is, you know, where where are we putting our trust? Where are we putting our faith? And are we trusting the wrong people? Are we looking for people to fix something that they're not supposed to fix? And so we uh, hope it'll be interesting to you or enlightening or maybe it's just something to listen to when you're bored. So either way, we hope you enjoy it. And we're just going to jump right in. I saw a post the other day someone had made and um again as as much as i keep off of facebook or try to or whatever i uh oddly enough come across things every now and then but um i was i think i got on there to to post a washer dryer i was selling on a uh, on marketplace and and as i'm you know checking the messages or whatever i see a post from someone and um that's how they get you i'm telling you man (laughs) but i see this post and it's basically urging christians to remember over the next two weeks um you know just to be careful with what you do with how you act with you know he he basically this guy outlined four points um pretty well uh and i i just you know me and my typically i don't post things but i kind of said you just made the comment that's true um, and just made the comment, I think you and I talked about the other day, like I, I even wonder with what's going on, if putting a sign in your yard, you know, prevents you from being able to reach someone. Hmm. And so, uh, I don't know, you know, that's something I've kind of, I don't know if I gave that much thought prior to, you know, this year. Um, there's probably a lot of things I didn't give a thought to prior to 2020, but I think, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. We, have even talked about we have our opinions we have our beliefs but does that necessarily mean we need to shout them from a megaphone and in in doing so if we are to you know could we be doing more damage to the the cause of christ than than good you know which a lot of what we do can be you know god is glorified in spite of us more than because of us Mm. but i just thought that was interesting and even in my attempts to keep away from some of the stuff i came across that and just you know fortunately it was that instead of something just to like you know further make me um despise social media which i'm still on it you know i'm not so far gone that i'm like deleting accounts and stuff i guess but i don't know i'm saying a lot i I think there's a place for it i just i think it's misused what's happening in two weeks I, i don't know i think something's going on with some people the election the election's that's what's it talking. that's it that's what it's called we have talked about some of these things before and we're going to attempt not to repeat ourselves, but obviously it, there's a big national conversation going on, mm-hmm. but what is it that you have, that you've seen that you found, uh, discouraging or, um, has caused you to be in your feels as the kids say, do they say that anymore? I don't know. Probably. I I'm, I'm getting too anyway. old to keep up with that. Um, yeah, it's, I, trying to sum it into sum it up into a few things might be one or two things could be tough but i think a lot of it comes back to we as christians with the word of god should have a very clear understanding of who we are and who god is and where we're at uh you know temporarily and all these things we 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 have a pretty good picture we don't know all of the inner workings and everything that god has you know, planned and and exactly how he's going to use things. But we've got a pretty good big picture as explained in the Bible that we can read and see and make sense of some of what's going on with and make sense of what we should be bothered with, consumed with, and what we should not be consumed with. And I think during, you know, during this time more than others, 
you know, every, every four years we enter the, this kind of period and you see people become preoccupied with things of the world to the point that they, you know, even Christians are pointing fingers at each other and this and that. And I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm, I'm trying to explain it quickly and I'm not doing a good job, but I think the biggest thing for me is if, you, if we believe the Bible, if we read it, then we have to understand that no matter who's elected, God's in control. Mm. And it may be that we enter a period of a rough four years, um, despite who's elected, because that's part of God's plan. And, and he's going to use that for his purposes, not ours. You know, I think it, it comes back to a lot of things, but God's plan isn't for us to just chill on earth and, you know, have a happy, fun life for until we go to heaven. Like it, there's more that we're here for. And it's not just all about us going through great times or getting our way or this and that. If any of that makes sense, I jumped around a little in my attempt to be concise there. Yeah, yes, it does. The God is in control phrase is interesting because I actually don't agree with it. Okay. It, control is the word that I would quibble with. Now, if you say God is sovereign, certainly. Yeah, sovereign's the word I would typically use. Um, you know, I guess probably in discussions. Explain to me kind of your, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've, I say that, I think I've just used that term more than control, but what, tell me your kind of delineation between the two. Sure. So to me, um, to me, control is exactly what it sounds like in so far as any decision or anything that happens, I, I decide and make it happen kind of thing in mm-hmm. that I'm. I'm exercising unilateral influence over something. There is no choice or there is no um, volition, if you like, of any other party involved. There is only me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a kind of sovereignty. That is one way that God could, if he chose, express his sovereignty. But if if we back that up a little bit... um, God, God uh, is, is the source of everything that there is in that he, he created it, he designed it, he caused it to be. The, the unmoved mover, I think, is one way that I've heard it described. And um, the translation of the personal name of God from Hebrew, which I'm not going to presume to speak <laughs> in this format, uh, the, there's scholars talk about it. There's one of a couple of different ways that it could be translated, and there's good evidence for both. One is that it means he is, and the other is that it means he causes. Um, this is the uh, I am that I am thing. Mm-hmm. The, the perpetual is, if you like. We're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but I think it'll be useful. In that, um, ultimately, God is in charge. But within his God is in chargeness, he allows humans and others and spiritual beings to make choices that have real consequences, good and bad. And so when we talk about things like leaders being elected or kings or queens exercising power over nations or geographical areas, ultimately, if we say that God is in control, I think what we mean is that ultimately there isn't anything that happens that he's not aware of and he hasn't allowed in some way is is that kind of what you mean by it yeah yeah uh that's kind of what i mean and and that and has a plan for it you know even though it seems like everything's crazy you know Mm -hmm. um it, it maybe seems crazy because it is but that doesn't mean it's not under god's knowledge i you know what i mean and yeah and and there's I don't want to get too off, off topic. I, I think there's a lot we could even talk about in the future there because I think you and I probably do when it comes to some of that and, and sovereignty, maybe have a few little differences in, in thinking, maybe not many, but a, a few little ones here and there because I, I think we're probably on the same page there. I do see people take that real far, um, the control aspect to where every single thing is you know, pinpointed yeah. and this is how it has to happen. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I can get there, you know, but I, I mm-hmm. there's other things that I would for sure say are predetermined, you know, biblically. Yeah. Um, well, that's pretty explicit. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and the reason that we're talking about this is because um, the reality is that life under the sun, as the author of Ecclesiastes puts it, uh, is really difficult to make sense of sometimes. Mm. And that when we look at the world around us, we are trying to figure out where God is at work and where he isn't. Because, um, and, and this is why I, um, this is why I wanted to talk about the, that word control yeah. in, in that, um, all throughout scripture, there are so many instances of God or through the prophets or talking directly will say, I'm going to raise these people up to, uh, to judge my, this nation or that nation. And I'm going to bring war upon you and I'm going to remove my hand of protection from you. And I'm going to raise up the Assyrians or Babylon, or I'm going to raise up Israel against um, her enemies or whatever, whatever the case may be. And, uh, or you get the bits about Paul talking about, you know, authority is established by God and all all this kind of stuff. And this Mm -hmm. is um, what we're left to wonder is, okay, so does that mean that all authority on earth is good? Because some of these folks don't be doing good stuff. <laughs> some of these folks are really quite crappy. And so, yeah. like, why would God put somebody crappy in power? Does that mean that God also is not so great? How do we make sense of these things? And so then that, that word control starts to look a little bit different when you include these questions. In it. And, and there's a, um, there is a strain of theology that would say that no, all those things are ordained by God and, and ultimately contribute for, for his glory in this or that way. Mm-hmm. And I think, without, again, without wanting to get too far down this road, I think that one of the potential problems with that idea is that you have God preordaining evil just for the sake of evil happening without a really obvious um, upside, I guess. And... I think that also discounts the role of spiritual evil in the world in that you have, you have two kingdoms at work. You have the kingdom of God and then you have the kingdom of darkness. Right. And that ultimately what Christ came here to do was to undo the works of darkness and to have victory over the, uh, the beings, whether they be human or spiritual, that are, that are working darkness in the world. And that uh, Jesus even says, a house divided amongst itself can't stand. If I cast out demons in the name of Satan, well, that's, you know, that, that doesn't work. And so I think one of the things that sometimes if we go too hard line with God being in control and ordaining all this bad stuff, what we end up with is attributing to God things that darkness is doing. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we need to be careful with. But yeah. there's the pendulum on the other side, which is also that like, if you ever see anything awkward happening, God had nothing to do with that. And it's like, well, sometimes he puts tests out there and he challenges mm-hmm. you with things and he asks you to go through some things that are pretty gnarly because he knows that that will shape you into the kind of person that you need to be. And again, this may sound like yeah. we're going far afield, but we're trying to make sense of how do you deal with living in a society where either you or people you care about really have questions about if like where is god at work in our society and why are these bad things happening and how do we know how to respond when you know the leadership of our nation seems really corrupt no matter where you look or that the laws of our nation are not just or that there are people of whatever kind um there, there are all different kinds of people and groups that are being mistreated and where is God in all that? Did God cause that? What does God want us to do about it? And that's maybe a, a lot of rambling, but um, I, I, think, I think for me, and this is kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about that we'll get into more maybe a little bit later in the conversation, but the way that God makes use of the fallenness of our world and makes use mm-hmm. of us as fallen creatures and kind of the structures and governments that we build and I think, especially at times like this, we need to slow our roll <laughs> and yeah. really step back and, and, and ask ourselves tough questions about how does God want us to relate to him and to the world and to the people around us? Yeah. And, and I think also worth mentioning, as you were kind of talking through things a little bit ago, I had the thought, you know, how many times in scripture 
do you even see where it, you know essentially we see god hand people over to their desires oh yeah into their wickedness mm-hmm. you know i um, mean even that terminology kind of handing over it's uh i think that's even kind of a separation between that creating evil or causing evil versus mm-hmm. no i'm just i'm taking my hand off of you for a moment yeah. because you know and allowing this to happen not causing yeah. it but allowing it yeah and, and there's uh, there's a couple of threads in there that are really important and that one is that let me go super nerdy for a second <laughs> uh from a literary perspective the story of particularly the hebrew bits of the bible is god bringing order out of chaos that starts mm-hmm. in genesis and that's a theme i don't have time to go into all of the ways that it works but and i'm not an expert on it but basically it's not bringing something out of nothing it's bringing order to that which is disordered and um so that thread is running through there first of all but then also that god is the one who brings the order god is the author of life he is the um he is the source of all that is good. Every good and perfect gift is from, a, from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. One of the best descriptions of God I've ever heard was in a magazine article. And they were, it was a music magazine. They were interviewing this guy who was in like a Norwegian Christian death metal band. <laughs> but he was also a, he was also like a monk, a friar who when the band wasn't on tour he would retreat to a cabin in the mountains and study theology that is interesting <laughs> you know it's awesome Such and a the, dynamic uh, switch there i know i know like there were spikes on stage and all that kind of stuff and then he retreats and like puts his abbot's robe on <laughs> that is great. awesome i know uh and the interviewer asked him how would you describe god and the guy said i wouldn't i would prefer not to talk about i prefer to talk about god not by means of what he is, but the, all the things that he's not, because there's a lot that he isn't. And I thought that was interesting. Hmm. But then the quote that really stuck with me is the guy paused a second and he said, he is the treasure of all things good. And if God is the treasure of all things good and the author and the source for him to say, okay, I, I'm removing you. I'm removing mm-hmm. those things from you because that's what you've told me you've wanted have fun with all this chaos that I was shielding you from because the only order and the only goodness is in me. And when you take me out of the equation, this is all you're left with. And so that's kind of what the turning over is, is that you are released back into the wilderness, basically to fare as well as you can on your own. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's what it takes for us to see how much we need God. Yeah. You know, I think we have to see how far we've fallen and how far we can fall. Mm-hmm. Because I know the, the biggest moments where I've almost felt that, you know, my hand off of you, not, not that I've ever been, you know, abandoned by any means, but the moments where I have felt like I was doing well, like I had things figured out, is, those are the moments I've eventually taken a fall. Mm. Because I thought I had it under control, thought I was doing well, and, and uh, God quickly and efficiently reminded me that you know i uh i don't so i think we see that all throughout scripture but i think we see that even today in in numerous ways yes and you know eight out of ten times in the scripture that's the way he handles it he very rarely Mm -hmm. zaps people right Uh, you know we, we like to focus in on the few spots where he where he responds a little bit more directly but most of the time if you add them up numerically it's okay you can have what you want but it's not going to go well for you and this 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 and this is going to happen at the end of deuteronomy um moses gets up and he gives this long speech to everybody about here's what we signed up for and here's where we've been and here's what god wants to do and he caps it off by saying if you do what god asks you to do here are all the good things that are going to happen and he lists all these blessings and he says if you don't Here's all the bad stuff that's going to happen. And it's all about that, um, that kind of decreation of the order that God has brought into things. It's about mm-hmm. your enemies are going to invade you because you won't have God's protection. The land will not yield its crops because God is not going to bless it. You will not bear children because God is not, you know, he, all of the goodness is taken out and darkness is left to flourish. And we know what the fruit of darkness is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we, we're seeing some of that throughout what's going on in our world today, you know. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and I think uh, we live in the United States, so that's kind of our cultural frame of reference. And I think for a lot of people, the reason that this, you know, every four years or just this climate that we've been in, the reason it's challenging and I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about this, is because we, we kind of have this narrative, this foundation myth almost, that we're the good guys. Sometimes you even hear it explicitly like we're not, not that we are new Israel, but that God is really all about America. That, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a Christian nation or that God has blessed us. and uh, Almost just, implying that he hasn't blessed others. That yeah, America oh, has some kind of favor of God that others don't have. A lot of times it's not implied. People just come out and say it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us on whatever, whatever part of the spectrum you might land on, a lot of us are really slow to think, believe, and then admit that we can get it wrong. And mm-hmm. we look at other nations or other countries and we see, oh, yeah, look at all these corrupt dictators and... Uh, these people are abusing their people and, you know, in that terrible, and we just, we don't believe, or we don't think of ourselves as a nation where those things can happen. And the reality is we're human just like anybody else is. And those things most certainly can and do happen. Mm-hmm. And we just, but I think a lot of the time we don't want to admit that. We don't want to admit our, our part and our complicity in that. I think there's a certain amount of fault you have to kind of admit in order to do that and we don't we don't like to show that yeah yeah i think it's all about appearances you know we've talked about that a lot um and and, you know again our our motivations for even doing this was because of of the ways we just see people divided and divided and that division growing and growing and growing and there's a prime example you know that I, i remember four years ago Everything was going to go, you know, to hell in a handbasket if a certain thing happened on in the election. And, and that wasn't from one side. That was from both sides. Yeah. And you have people on both sides. If this happens, I'm moving. If, if this happens, I'm doing this. And um, not to say that, that things cannot get worse, you know, that they mm-hmm. won't. But we are putting a whole lot of faith in people and in a government. And we are taking a whole lot of trust from where it should be when yeah. we say things like that. Because, man, if we've learned anything from human history, it's that humans make real bad gods. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that has, they'll see, how many times has that been done well? You know, how, how many good human <laughs> exactly gods were Exactly zero. Exactly That's right. zero. Yeah. And, but yet we still find ways to make people idols. Yeah. And to worship them. And... The amount of grace one person is willing to give the candidate that sides with them Whew. versus the amount of hatred they're pushing, like, man, it's just tough, you know? And don't get me wrong, I, I, Taylor, we talked about this the other day, but um, I have my beliefs. I have values. I have opinions. Um, sometimes those are better not shared. In order to keep myself in a position to where I can have good conversations, a lot of times it's best that I leave them alone mm-hmm. in, in certain forums, uh, social media being one of those, because what I'm going to do is end up just trying to find a way to quickly tick people off <laughs> if I make a post that I might want to might want to post, you know. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's times I get to have really good conversations that a lot of them like, you know, one we had the other day, I come away just kind of saying, you know what, I don't know. And, and I think that's OK, but. We are so quick to try and justify everything and have a reason for everything, even when sometimes we have no clue. And, and all we end up doing is standing really firm on something that maybe we shouldn't. And let's be clear. We actually, each one of us individually, knows very little about what we're talking about. <laughs> if we're honest, I mean, the, even things like COVID is a good example. Suddenly, like we... You have so many people, and I think we all have done this at some point, we're, we're so sure that we know 
how to interpret the data and how to make sense of it. And then if you actually go and talk to people who that's their job is to know how to make sense of that, you find, and you ask them questions, you find real quickly, oh, I don't know how to decide what is true and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes for a lot of issues that get people really worked up and rightfully so. I mean, a lot of the things that are being talked about right now are important about how this group is going to be affected or what happens if these people get in power. It's not that those things don't affect people because they do, but I think we far overestimate our our knowledge and our wisdom when it comes to those things because it's it's easier to do it that way than to actually slow down and think through any of those issues and really try to understand where we should land because what if we're wrong? Yeah. Also, what if we look at the data and we say, oh, this doesn't line up with what my tribe thinks? What am I mm. going to do with that? Yeah. And, and, and I think, and this is back to the fact that we have a very clear picture if we want to look at it. But, you know, in yeah. the same way, we've, we've been quick to say, hey, re- read the Bible. Don't go to your verse and pick out what you want to see because that verse probably doesn't mean what you think it means when you mm. read what's around it. I think we have to be very careful and look at what, what we know of God, what we know of people, what we know of, you know, the, this earth, and look at the broader picture as opposed to getting so preoccupied with the next two weeks. Yeah, because, so here, here's the other thing that, um, that I wanted to loop in. In the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, the thing that was behind a whole lot of the other nations and their governments and those empires were uh, hostile, evil spiritual beings. Not to go all UFO on it, but uh, we, <laughs> there is an enemy of your soul, and and he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is not alone. Th- this is a thread that is is not talked about a lot, but those nations and those empires were under the influence of evil spiritual beings a lot of the time. And you see it in Daniel when Daniel prays and the angel that gets sent to him says, I would have come sooner, but I was detained for 23 days because I was fighting the entity, the evil entity Mm -hmm. that was in control of this area. They're the principalities and powers that Paul talks about in the New Testament that Jesus triumphs over on the cross. Spiritual evil is real. And that is not something that we like to talk about or think about, or it's something that we turn into an X-Files episode and get, you know, get all weird and sensationalized about. But the thread of God triumphing over spiritual evil starts in Genesis when God says to Adam and Eve, um, I'm going to put hatred between your offspring and the serpent, and he will strike his heel, but he will crush his head in the end. Mm. And we were promised that evil would not prevail forever. And when Paul talks about um, he, uh, Christ, not just redeemed us from the sin problem that we have, but also made it so that all of creation, which is groaning to be renewed under the weight of, of our sin and of spiritual evil, well, Christ conquered all that on the cross, and so that their influence would not, so that they wouldn't win anymore. And this starts, you know, at the beginning, and it goes all the way to the end. Christ was about doing more than just setting us personally free from sin, but he wanted to set all of creation free from the, the curse of sin and death, as he puts it. And mm-hmm. the thing is, our nations and our towns and our people and our families and our governments and the empires on the earth are still under the sway of those things, except where the people of God, indwelt and empowered by the Spirit of God with the mind of Christ, bring God's rule and reign into those spaces. And that ultimately is the call, I think, of the church and people of God in these kinds of moments. It's not that God doesn't use presidents and congresses and kings and parliaments. It's not that voting is bad. It's not that 
civic organizing is bad or protesting is bad or, or whatever. It's that ultimately the solution to the darkness that we see is not using the weapons of the world to fight it. It's mm. using the thing that only the people of God have, which is the spirit of God empowering us and leading us and bringing God's rule and God's reign and saying, we serve a different king and he does things differently. And I think so much of the fear and the anxiety and the anger and distress comes from forgetting that and instead focusing yeah. on this other stuff. Yeah. And, and man, that is it. And regardless, if our president is Donald Trump, Joe Biden or, or Kanye West, our task, <laughs> our task, our job remains the same. Yeah. Nothing changes about the word of God, about who he is and about who we are in him. Yeah. And I yeah. think we forget that. What, what ultimately can whoever sits in the Oval Office do in the face of the great I am or <clears throat> the great he is? Nothing. And he has chosen in his wisdom and because he is sovereign over all things ultimately to give his power to, <laughs> uh, to little piddly humans running around because he wanted to show that we are made perfect in weakness. Yeah. And he wanted to humble himself and come down here as one of us and take our, our burdens on himself and triumph over all that darkness and work his victory a different way. In God's economy, his victory is that his enemies become his friends, not, yeah. not because we vote them out or because we cancel them or because we win battles against them, but because we, it's a power that's greater than anything that you throw at it because it doesn't work the way all this other stuff does. Absolutely. And, and I, I think we have to, to remember, and I, and I think we see a pretty clear picture in, in Romans 8 that um, no matter what happens, no matter who's in control, no matter um, life or death or, or, or anything, you know, nothing's going to separate us from, mm -hmm. from God and from yeah. um, who he is. And, and I, I, yeah, I think... It, even though we have such a clear picture, we are so quick to forget. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, kind of what I keep coming back to. And, and we kind of, I, I know we kind of had a part one with our, our Citizen of Heaven discussion. Um, was that our third episode? I believe yeah. that, that we talked a lot about things of this nature, but that, that really is what it comes down to. You know, if, if we remember that and who we are, we would care about a, a lot, care about a different set of things than sometimes we do. Yeah. And the, the reason that we're talking about this again is we're citizens of heaven, but we're residents of earth mm -hmm. currently. And the tension between those two things is what is difficult to make sense of sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think even we, we often look to the government to do things that we should be doing as believers, things we're instructed to do as believers yes. on the earth. Certainly. But in our complacency, our laziness, our complete disregard for whatever set of people, we, we don't. Yeah. Well, we figured there's a, whole, there, there's a whole history lesson here that I'm not informed enough to give, but there were a lot of ways in which the church was involved historically in uh, in civic affairs by way of taking care of people and um, mm -hmm. serving different groups that were either oppressed or otherwise distraught or distressed. And at some point, we handed our power away to the government to do those things. And now that has the bleed over effect that now instead of looking to God, we look to the government as not necessarily the, the, the solution to our problems, but the means by which we're going to solve them. And again, let's, let's be clear. I know we're, we're playing caveat bingo here, but uh, sometimes, sometimes God can use that stuff. And sometimes it is appropriate to get involved in those ways. But it seems like a lot of the time that's the first place we look rather than looking within and asking honestly, God, what is it that you would have me do? How can I so help solve this problem in my circle of influence or in my town or on my block. And I, uh, I mean that I, cause I've done that. And, um, I have been the person that thought it was somebody else's job to fix the problem that was right in front of me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I don't know. And I think there's organizations that, and great organizations that have risen up and, and done things um, to help certain groups. But, um, and I think that's great, you know, but I, I also hurt in, in some ways because the church should be doing those things. Shouldn't have yeah. to have another organization to do it if the church was doing what we were supposed to. But, and, and this is, I know we've talked about the church a little bit in different episodes with our three part series, but uh, I think there's something to be said for just what the church has become and even being inward focused and self gratifying. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we are residents of earth, citizens of heaven, residents of earth for a reason. And that's not to um, set and just be blessed for it to, to stay there. You know, mm-hmm. we are here to bless others, to show who he is and to glorify him. And uh, we, we've kind of set up this model where everything is self-gratifying yeah, as opposed to outwardly focused. And I think that's, um, that's, that's sinful in nature. Yeah. And you see this with Israel a lot in, in the Bible, in that very explicitly from the very beginning, God said, I, I'm going to bless you but through you, all the nations are going to be blessed because God's ultimate plan was, I'm going to bring everybody back from under the dominion of these hostile spiritual forces and bring back everybody back into the family because this is a mm-hmm. problem he's trying to solve, you know. And there are a lot of stops along the way, and we, we can miss them if we're not, if we're not careful because sometimes they're hidden in these out-of-the-way places in, in the scriptures. But God will say things like, and I'm going to bring all the nations back into the fold or all back into the same pen, I think is one of the ways he puts it in the Psalms. And that um, by Jesus' time, the Jewish people were very concerned with, I should say the nation of Israel, not necessarily the Jewish people. They were very concerned with their standing and their status to God because they had, some of them had come back from exile, but not all of them. and. Uh, they knew their Bible enough at the time to know that the promises of God restoring them and fulfilling all the, all the things that the prophets said that were going to happen depended on them and how well they followed God. And so things like um, some of like the, the zealots that they talk about in the scriptures, like I think Peter was one, that they were so, he was so ready to get his sword out <laughs> and go after people, but that was mm. because... He he was a, he he wanted to show God he was serious, yeah. and that uh, God's all for us, and He wants us to be you know set apart and pure and all these kinds of things. And you all suck. <laughs> and he he and so many other people had forgotten that the point of the city on a hill is to be a light in a dark land and to invite people to come into it. And there is this beautiful picture at the end of Revelation. This is in chapter twenty-two, I think, and it says that. Um, after everything is remade in, in new creation, that the, the kings of the earth will bring the, their honor and glory into the new Jerusalem and that all of the nations will bring their splendor to God. So that in, in new creation, there are nations. It mm-hmm. isn't just like, you know, this one big church service kind of thing. It's, it's that it was always the point that God was going to, open up the doors and invite everybody to come in if they would. Uh, when I think of the, uh, the parable Jesus tells about the, uh, the feast that gets put on and the master sends his servant out to invite people and like, oh, well, I've got to do this. Well, I can't come. And he says, go out to the highways and bring the lepers and the beggars and anybody who will come in. And um, it's... We, f- we forget it was never about us and about, as you said, just sitting uh, within our walls and enjoying the blessing. It was always about you are blessed so that, so that more can come in and enjoy the goodness that God has prepared for all of us. And this is especially true, I think, in our, in our nation in, in terms of when, when we think that we're God's chosen nation, which... Whether or not some people are actually coming out and saying that, it's obvious that that's what they think. Sure. And we, th- we think if we can just get back to the way that it was then, or if we can just create the utopia God wants here, he's, he's going to be a part of it. And his thing was like, well, no, that was, 
that was never the point of it. You're trying if you're trying to project that onto the nation in which you live, well of course you're going to make everybody else the bad guys and you're going to ignore and turn an eye to the suffering that I want you to do something about with the resources I've blessed yeah. you with. Absolutely. And and that's why we've become so blind to the rest of the world. I think, I mean, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of the, the trying to prove something to God. I mean, I, I'm circling back a little bit to, to social media, but all within this and how you navigate these situations, I come across post after post after post that says things like, I don't care who I offend, you know, I'm going to speak up for God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Um, we cannot prove anything to God. We have literally nothing to prove mm. if we believe Scripture. What we are, are is invited to follow Him. And I think following looks a lot different than being bold for Jesus and bold for, for a candidate are two different things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, or bold for Jesus and bold for Christianity. Yeah, that or too. Bold for our denomination or our church. Yeah, and, and, and you don't have to back down from your beliefs, from your values, from who you want to vote for. You know, I, th that's fine. But before you start yelling at someone or shouting or making your point known, I think it's first worth thinking about, am I bringing glory to Jesus? Mm -hmm. if, that's, if that's what we're here for and if that's what we're supposed to be doing and if, if God is due glory, are, are we doing that right now? Is what I'm posting, is what I'm saying, is how I'm living and, and loving my neighbor, you know, am I, am I doing that well? Because ultimately, the solution to the problem that you're trying to solve is the presence of Christ and the Spirit of God in that person or those people's lives. You're not going to vote anybody to Jesus. You might solve some other problems, but ultimately that those issues that you are so perhaps rightly passionate about that are influencing the way that you vote or the things that you try to influence other people to do, if, if we're willing to step back and think about it, whether it's, I don't want to get into specifics, but that thing that makes you so mad <laughs> mm -hmm. that these people well, are- we, we, People know what they are. I mean, we all have them. I know there's a few issues that- for sure, you know, um, have an effect on how I vote. But, but ultimately, the solution to those things that you're, you're, is not we get our people in power and we make it illegal for you to think that way. The solution to those things, if we're people of faith, is that God needs to transform somebody's heart hmm. the way that hopefully he transformed ours. And we're so easy to, th this is the whole we don't fight as the world fights kind of thing because. If we're not careful, and we're not a lot of the time, we, we immediately jump to some other solution other than loving and serving people the, the way that God wants us to. Because we're so convinced that if we can just do it our way, then it's going to work out. It ain't. It never has. And ultimately, the only solution to the problem of, to the human problem is Christ. And I don't, I don't mean that in, in a churchy way i just mean that without without the presence of god there is no life change which means that thing that you hate that those people do is just going to keep happening and mm -hmm. all really you're doing is you, people are trying to decide who gets to use their power to make everybody else do what they want them to do yeah and that's ultimately why i think we should be really careful and reticent about who we hitch our name to and that you, you mentioned it a minute ago, we're so ready to excuse things in the people that we agree with and ignore the good in the people that we don't because we want power to influence things the way that we think that they should be influenced. That's a lot easier than I'm going to love my enemies. It's a yeah. lot easier. Yeah, well, and, and man... There, there are so many things that you have to just straight up ignore in scripture yeah. in, in order to do some of what I, I see, you know, mm -hmm. again, not that I <laughs> follow everything in scripture to a T and, and don't have my hangups. I just, um, 
you know, it's just there are so many things you have to ignore. You know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, love your enemies. Like, like you have to literally just wipe all of that from the Bible in order to, to live that way. You've heard, well, probably we all have heard the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. What is not as obvious to us in our culture is all of the um, really kind of scandalous overtones of that story. So Samaria was up in the north of Israel, north of Israel, if I remember correctly. And it's the spot where, um, I may have that backwards. Anyway, uh, Samaria was the capital of, uh, again, forgive me everybody if I get this right, because I get <laughs> Judah and Israel flipped in my mind. But Samaria was the capital of Judah, and it's where they, when the kingdom split, they set up an alternate method of worship. So the temple was in Jerusalem, and they set up something else in Samaria to worship God. So it wasn't officially sanctioned, and they introduced a lot of other stuff into the worship of God there. Then, after they went to exile, after they were exiled in Babylon, a whole lot of other people were settled there in that region. And so you had kind of leftover remnants of kind of worship of the God of Israel mixed with all of these other different kinds of people with their gods. And so it was this weird amalgamation of things. And they like they very literally uh, the the Jews who or the Hebrews who were uh, still left like in Jerusalem and in Israel, the kingdom. Uh, looked on them as like, and I, I, don't, I don't mean this term derogatory in the way that I'm using it, they would have thought, well, those bunch of half-breeds, mm-hmm. both spiritually and racially, like these are the people that have come in and pollute and polluted the nation that we have here and God doesn't want this. And so there was war and strife at times like genocide and hate crimes between these two groups of people in Jesus' day. And... um so he comes along and he tells this story in which, like for us, it would be like the, the good ISIS <laughs> terrorist. And I, I, that sounds hyperbolic. It really isn't. That's the kind of dynamic that these people had between these groups at the time. And he says, this is the guy who showed compassion and love to one of you, to one of God's chosen people. The yeah. other, like the rabbi and the Levite, and they, they just, they, they went on by on the other side of the road and they ignored it. It was the guy that, the kind of person you hate the most yeah. was the one who did what God wanted him to do. And you'll notice Jesus asks the, uh, the religious leader who he's telling the story in response to, he says, so who was it that showed mercy? And the guy can't even bring himself to say the name of the group who said, <laughs> The one, the one who showed compassion on him. He won't even say Samaritan. That, that was such a scandalous and like really radical picture of this is what it means to love your enemies. It means you, you may have to rub shoulders with the person and their kind of person that you can't stand, maybe even for really good reason, but that's what I'm calling you to do. Yeah, and I think there's also an awareness we have to have of those who are our enemies. Why? And, you know, I think we need to be careful who we make enemies, maybe. But if it's because they think differently or because their values don't align, we have to be aware that that not all do know Jesus. And that even though we want to look at them as as an enemy, that that's our our field right there. Those are the people we need to be showing the most grace and compassion to so that they can see Jesus. I mean, to your point earlier, Someone's not going to be elected, and then those people are going to get it because of who's in office. Yeah. But someone can see Jesus and who he is and understand who they are, and that is going to have a bigger effect than, than whoever you vote for. Yes. And ultimately, the people in your sphere of influence, you're going to have more of an effect on them than whoever sits in the Oval Office as far as these things go. Like the, the president, most likely— is not going to love your coworkers in a relational, <laughs> like up close kind of way, but you have the opportunity to, we all do. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really where the most impact ends up happening, at least for people of faith and the way they interact with folks around them. 
Yeah, and, and that's not saying hide what you believe, hide your values. I'm not even saying hide your political opinion. I'm saying handle it in a way where you can bring people together. There yeah. are ways to handle yourself in which even if someone is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, you may have the ability to talk with them and have a relationship. I've seen it. Now, that, that's not to say everybody's there. You know, I know there are some people who are just looking for a fight, and those are probably situations that um, I'm not saying we avoid them altogether, but know when to you know, let those things go. We've talked about that before, know when, when to kind of cut your losses, so to speak. Um, you know, ultimately, God's the one that affects change, not us. So there's a point where it's probably wise of us to say, hey, this is... Um, I've done what I can here. Yeah, but, but even that, even at that, and even if it is a dust off your feet kind of thing, we have to remember that that thing that we're seeing from that person, where they are being belligerent or just don't want to talk, they're operating out of their pain or they're operating mm-hmm. out of their fear or out of their negative past experience. There, there's something behind that. People aren't just crappy for no reason to each other. There's something at the back of that. They haven't yeah. been shown. They haven't been loved. They've been abused. They've been treated badly. Uh, Stepped on a Lego this morning. Exactly. I've done that. (laughs) Something happened. (laughs) And and ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we have to remember, God died for his enemies when he had no reason to. He had nothing to gain from it. He did it because he loved us and because he loved all the good that he had made. And he wanted to redeem it and redeem us. And so we could all enjoy it all together. That, that is what he is like. And he calls us to be like him in this way. He didn't say it was yeah. easy. And I'm sure that there were times when Jesus was on earth, when he was faced with a decision, like, okay, this dude's being a real butthead. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, like Jesus's flesh, I'm sure wanted to respond at times in ways that would have not been helpful or constructed, but because he was in step with the spirit and as he put it, I only do what I see my father doing. He was able to respond and to love people, even really difficult people. I mean, he hung out with, uh, we really like to say this, he hung out with the prostitutes and the lepers and the tax collectors. What we don't like to say is he also hung out with the diehard, conservative, religious, bigoted people. (laughs) And he refused to denounce in the ultimate sense. He refused to cancel any of them. He continued to go to their houses. He continued to hang out with folks who would the other people would look askance at and be like, you're, you're what? You're being with who now? And he didn't fit into any of those boxes. So he didn't dissociate yeah. from problematic people. So what does that mean for us now when we encounter folks that we really would rather be rid of for whatever reason? Yeah. And I think that's wise to look at. You know, sometimes occupying the middle ground, which we talk about a lot, doesn't mean you just sit there. It means, well, I mean, look at Paul, be all things to all people. You know, we read that. That's what sometimes that means. Yeah. Probably all the time, to be honest. You know, uh, there is a certain aspect of being in the middle that is really just making sure you're mobile. If you want to reach people, Mm. you're going to have to to talk with people you don't agree with, that you're uncomfortable with, and put yourself in those kinds of, of situations. And uh, again, I think that's that's what we're called to do. Yeah, that mobile mm-hmm. analogy is good. Every now and then, something something pops into my head. That... Well, and Paul's a good example because sometimes it didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, he returned. If I remember correctly, at one point in Acts, he returns to Jerusalem and he does all of the customary Jewish things that he needed to do to be a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And they still got mad at him, and he got arrested. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And, and you know what he didn't do? He didn't just sit there and fight it. Now he, he was, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because talk about being all things to all people. He, he made a very, very scholarly argument, you know, and yeah. had discussions with them and, um, and, but still, you know, <laughs> the effect of that wasn't necessarily what he hoped and he yeah. didn't, you know, he didn't fight and, you know, draw a sword and scream louder. He, he, I think knew what he was getting into. Or when he was in Athens and there's the whole episode where he sees this altar to an unknown God. And he says, men of Athens, I see you're very religious. Let me tell you about this unknown God. Mm -hmm. 
And he lays it out in a very, very Greek rhetoric kind of way. He even yeah. quotes a poem about Zeus that they would have been familiar with. You know what the response was? We're going to talk about this and we'd like to hear again from you sometime. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like there was the Pentecost round two did not happen when he yeah. was all things to them. And so later on, you find him saying, well, I resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. So ultimately, even the being all things to all people is not a surefire way. There's no, we've said it here before. There's no substitute for keeping in step with the spirit mm-hmm. and listening to when he says, hey, go talk to this person. Go, go here. Do this. Hold your temper, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or whatever it happens to be. Because even for him who wrote half of the New Testament. There was no formula. There was no always do this, always respond this way to these people. There was only, well, uh, wind blows where it wants to. I guess I better follow it. So we'll go here now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier, there's a reason people are, are a certain way. If you are in step with the spirit and are willing to talk and have cordial interactions and conversations with people who disagree with you, you you may find out more about why they are the way they are Mm -hmm. or what's happened in their life. And I think those are all opportunities to even share who who Christ is and the difference he's had in our lives. And not that he's made us um, live perfectly, but that he has grace for us even you know, d- again, despite us, um, and that that's, that's available to them. I, I think that's, it, man, it's just, it would be such a, a great way to find, to, to open that conversation with people, you know, share why those disagreements and not that they're going to agree with you poetically after that, but more importantly than them agreeing with you poetically, you possibly have, have opened a door for them to, to hear about Jesus and, and, and know him. Yeah, because. Uh, I think the thing is a lot of what we're motivated by is kind of this moral outrage of I can't believe that somebody would do or think this and what what it really is is uh, God or thank you that I'm not like this man mm. to quote the scriptures on the matter really what it is is we we think very highly of ourselves and our opinions and our perspectives and our morality and it means we have a target to take the focus off ourselves and the darkness in our own hearts and uh that's a much more comfortable place to be than to consider that i may be wrong i may be part of the problem i may not know what i'm talking about I may be a big freaking jerk for that matter, and I may need to humble myself and to confess, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me for being so arrogant to think that I have the right to judge this other person. That doesn't mean that we don't call things out when needed. It doesn't mean that we never speak up when we see sin being celebrated in our culture on a grand scale. It isn't about any of that. It's, it's all about how we handle ourselves that we're just, I mean broken clay pot over here but i've got something in me yeah. that is worth sharing with people yep yep and yeah and to that point we're called to have bold faith but let's make sure we understand what that means you know bold and loud are not necessarily the same Ooh, <laughs> you know that's good it's 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 strong it's um there's conviction there but being loud is more often than not just just a bad way to get your point across. I think of that. Uh, it's a bad way to be heard. Yeah, I think of that. I, th- I think this is in First Kings, but um, there's there's an incident that Elijah has. He goes into the wilderness, and there's nobody around, and there is a huge storm. But it said, but God was not in the storm, and then there was an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. I think I'm getting that right. And then when all that had passed, there was a, there was a small, quiet voice that spoke. And that was God. Mm. And the boldness was that it was in contrast to all the clamor that was going on around it and all of this upheaval and turmoil. 
And I think a lot of the time, what gets people's attention is when the people of God are so assured of who we are in Christ that we don't need to raise our voices, that we don't need to dismiss them as people or consign them to the nether regions of hell because they don't believe the same things we do. But when we are willing to to, to speak quietly, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, and to risk being shouted out because we are humbling ourselves. And that's, nobody likes giving their power away. And I think that's, that's part of what a lot of this does is it helps people to feel empowered and feeling like they're making a difference. And sometimes I think they are. And it makes you feel yeah. a part of something bigger than yourself. But ultimately, those are not things you should be looking for apart from Christ. He's right. given you that stuff already. You don't need to go elsewhere to look for it. Yeah, I mean, I, you made a comment the other day when we were talking that I, I think was... Um... Well, and, and I guess to give our, our listeners a, a little background, we were talking and I was trying, basically just kind of talking with you about my thoughts. And as I was on the way to, uh, to, to vote and just kind of trying to kind of sort through my mindset on all these things. And, and, you know, you, you made the comment and you may not even remember making it, but you know, it was vote how, how you feel the Lord leading you. And I think we're we're often quick to say, okay, well, how should I vote? When we look at a whole lot of things, but how much time do we even spend praying about that? Mm. Um, how much time do we really spend, you know, um, seeking? I think it's easy to, more often than not, we're looking and saying, okay, well, these are these things, and I believe these to be scriptural, so I'm voting this way. But we're really not praying about it, not and not even necessarily praying that God. Um, reveal to you the right candidate but um just just praying that we keep our our mindset right praying that we we look to god instead of a person uh you know i I, you mentioned god creating us earlier and i just i can't help but think that that god is kind of looking at us and just saying you know i made you and you're not even looking at me you're looking Mm -hmm. at these two other people who i also created and expecting them to yield some kind of power that they don't have yet i'm here and created you and, and for this season, you're choosing to be blind to that. Mm. And again, as we mentioned earlier, God, typically when those kind of things happen and we start acting like we've got it figured out and that, that's when a fall comes. So regardless who's elected, it might not be a bad idea to be watching for that fall anyway. <laughs> yeah. And man, that goes way beyond even politics to, mm-hmm. are you looking to your pastor, to your spouse, to... The, the spiritual guru to the theologian. What are you looking at? Yeah. There, there's yeah. a line in a song like very much, the perfect polished pastor cannot save you. Your Myers or your Briggs won't buy your sin. Yeah. Yep. That's good stuff right there. I'm telling you, that's exactly right. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're all sinners. None of us need to be made idols. Yeah. Not your pastor, not your parents, not your grandparents, not they, they may have admirable things about them, honorable things, but they, um, we are all poor substitutes for, for God, for God, that there's no substitute. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode seven. We hope that it was beneficial for you, that you got something out of it. I know if you're like me, you may come out of these sometimes and still not know exactly where you're at or exactly how you feel about the topic. And, and that's okay. I think the big thing is just to really try and, and think through things and to you know understand as believers what our role is, how we're supposed to react, how we're supposed to handle situations, and then to do likewise. You know, not to revert to our instinct and our sinful nature when, when things come up that we have the opportunity to react to. And so that's not always easy for me, probably not for many of you, but I think that's important for us to, to realize and to take note of. Uh, normally, at this point, we ask you to go and review and rate and subscribe and, and do all that stuff. And, and yeah, please do. We, that's great. But more importantly, my ask this week is that you spend some time in prayer and in the Word for our country. I don't know 
you know, when you're listening to this, maybe we know who our president is at this point. Maybe we don't. Regardless, if we do know that or not, and regardless of who it is, our role is the same. You know, God is clear in Scripture about what we're commanded to do, to, to love God, to love people. And it's also very clear that our role is to glorify Him and to make Him known. And so that doesn't change even as offices change. That doesn't change as pandemics come up. That remains the same. And so my ask would be to spend some time in that. Pray for our country. Pray for its leadership. Pray for believers, for non-believers. And, you know, ask God to reveal to you how you can glorify Him, who you can reach. And that may be tougher, depending on on what happens in our nation. It may be easier. Uh, You know, regardless, there is a need. And I, I do believe firmly that that need for a Savior is going to be revealed more and more in the coming uh, days and weeks and months and years. So be prayerful for that. And, you know, we'll be praying for you as we go through this time. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.